0: So I thought and thought and thought about what the next episode was going to be on. And I finally came up with an idea. And the idea really struck me. So, and the idea that really struck me was, well, let's put it this way. (laughs) If that doesn't clear it up for everyone, which I'm betting it probably does, hopefully this may help. And it may and when you hear this it may hit you all of a sudden and you'll just think You gotta think about what you do when you're trying to solve all that when you're. By telling everyone that your story the story of who you were and who you are in your life never ends there are people in this world people who I've researched and studied about and done a lot of research on whose life and whose job it is to tell your story to sorry about that, everyone, to tell your story, to tell your tales and what happened to you and what your life is like. It's their job to tell people that. So you will always live on everything. Your body tells your story and it it tells everything and no one can hide that. And a lot of people look at at what they do as kind of like you hold on one second sorry i have to move the microphone here i apologize my microphone is getting all tangled up here there's a bunch of cords that i have for the microphone and it's getting all tangled up Sorry about that, everyone. I was going to say, bear with me. Sorry about that. I had the cord for the microphone here got tangled up and I had to untangle it. So thanks for bearing with me. But like I was saying, your body, your life will always be told. And there's people whose jobs it is to do that. And people may look at what they do and go, yeah, that's kind of gross. And... I understand that. I totally get it. Looking at those kind of things is kind of gross. But I see it as what they do is a very noble thing, a very noble profession. To be able to, you kind of have to look at it. And my parents have said to me, and my other friends have told me, how you view this or how you see this is a very idealistic, maybe romantic kind of view to it. And I kind of look at it that way. They, they're they people who are not looking into the gory side. Well, they're doing that to find the answer. But they're not just looking into the gory side of things and being disgusted by it. Because some of that stuff is disgusting. But they're looking at it and going, this person lived a life of, of a story, of a mystery. And... We want to tell it for them. We want to tell their life and tell their story, and they're speaking for people who can't speak anymore. And that's that's a beautiful thing to be able to 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 do that. And a lot of what I found is is a lot of bit of a bit of a history on that, a little bit of a story. On that and a lot of stuff is gonna be from my notes that I've taken and a lot of a lot of research that I've done and a lot of stuff that I know and just something that's comes second nature to me something that I've known and a lot of stuff is is like I said about forensics as you couldn't as you probably have guessed could, probably couldn't have been a mystery to anyone but that you probably have guessed from the opening themes there, from CSI, CSI Miami, and CSI New York, in that order. Um, a lot of it is from, a lot of it is what what I mean by what the body, what your body tells your story, is in the Facebook in the podcast Facebook community. There, I I will post pictures of different things that. You know, the, what of like a female versus a, a male versus female skull, and how and how you can tell, and how anyone, and how I've come to be able to tell a difference. Like you see, you go to a lot of these like anatomy anatomy places or hospitals or classes, and you see plastic skeletons. You can I can look at that go, that skeleton is supposed to be a male. Or that skeleton is that even it's plastic. That skeleton is supposed to be female. You can tell by looking at by looking at the skull. You can tell the difference. A lot of and a lot of this is kind of a challenge, which, which which you can feel, which you can take part of this challenge right now. If you take your hand, like the palm of your hand, and use it and rub it over your over your scalp above your eyebrows, um, men have more of more of, uh, like, a, a flat, kind of, the, that part of the skull is kind of more, it's not rounded, that part of the skull is kind of, like, above the eyebrows, it's kind of, like, like, almost vertical, like, flat, and then it rounds up at the top, it's more flat, and then rounds, rounds up like that, women are more globe-like, um, women have more of a rounded skull, up in that area, and that, like, the brow ridge, um, there's a lot of things that are like that um, men have men have stronger the men the, the bone structure male ha, ma, males have stronger bones bone structures um, that's uh, thicker muscle tone I guess I guess uh, I guess that's a way to uh, that's a way to say it um the bones like I said, yeah, the bones are thicker, the male skulls are heavier. There's a lot of things where you can tell the difference just by just by just simply glancing at it. And there's a number there's actually a number of features that are more commonly found in males compared with females. The sex of a deceased is usually one of the first elements to be assessed, and is best undertaken by the examination of a pelvis and a skull. When identifying the sex of a skull, a single characteristic is not necessarily or always used. Rather than a number of factors are considered. Generally, like I said, male skulls are heavier, the bone is thicker, and the areas of muscle attachment are more defined than in females. The key word there being defined. It's both it's both it's it's both definitively there and it's both strong the muscle attachments are both equally strong in those areas and both male and female they're both equally strong in those areas but it's more defined in 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 males there's there are also key differences in the appearance of the forehead the eyes and the jaw between the men and women that, are, that, are, that we use to determine the sex of a skull for example like i said the fore, the forehead or brow ridges when viewed in profile female skulls have a rounded forehead like i said the frontal bone the the bone above your eyebrows that's the frontal bone male frontal bones are frontal bones are less rounded and slope backwards at a gentler angle higher above the frontal bone This ridge along the brow is prominent in males, but much smoother in females. As this ridge lies above the eye, above the eye orbits, actually, the structure is known as a, as a supraorbital ridge. And like I said in the in the podcast Facebook community, I'll post pictures so you can see what I mean by by the the supraorbital ridge and those the the uh, the ridges above the eyebrows. I know this like I just said, there's a scientific term for it. But I just describe it that way. Women tend to have rounded eye sockets with sharp edges to the upper borders. In contrast, males, males have much, much squarer orbits with blunter upper eye margins. The jaws... Males tend to have more of a square, you can sort of feel it if you feel your jaw. Males tend to have more of a square jawline and the line between the outer edge of the jaw and the ear is more vertical. Conversely, the female jaw is much more pointed at the edge of the jaw and the edge of the jaw slopes gently towards the ear. You can kind of see that you can kind of see that in a lot of identifications, if you're just doing the skull, a lot of identifications are you're thinking, I know you're thinking with all this information, you're going, Well, that's kind of easy. If you're looking at a skull and the skull is more sloped, it's more easily more gentle, it's a female. There's there's certain there's certain identifications and certain things. You can see a lot of other things tell the story there's there's a lot of point that oh I just I'm looking over some I'm looking somewhere the notes I wrote down like yeah you know, like yeah I touched on that there's there's also some there's also subtle subtle differences like I'm gonna go back I'm gonna scroll back through my notes here a lot of the stuff that I wrote down is kind of vague so I apologize there's bear with me as I'm a lot of a, a, another part of interesting when it jumped to skin patterns lucky like, like you know the skin patterns or skin prints fingerprints the skin has a variety of prints that are unique to an individual every individual every single individual has a unique set of fingerprint fingerprints including identical twins and yes i'm talking about my producer and her and her twin sister and i've said a few times that she and her twin sister are like carbon copies of each other they look they're that identical twins but every every person on earth has has an identical or has has a, I I keep saying identical because I've just said it has has different fingerprints. Everybody's fingerprints are different fingerprints are the most common form of print analysis in the process of body identification. The analysis of palm prints is similar to that of fingerprints. However, they also provide information on the dominant hand and the age of the individual which are both key indicators of identity the hand which has more which has which has the more deteriorated prints is which has the more deteriorated prints is suggested to be the dominant hand of an individual due to its more frequent use the size of one's hand can suggest the possible age range of an individual ear prints can also be assessed in the process of body identification ear printing is the latest common method of print analysis due to the ear's malleable nature. The accuracy of skin prints can be influenced by a variety of external factors, such as temperature, humidity, time, and natural skin shedding. There's also, it can also, like, humidity. The hotter something gets, what the the body tends to do is that when the body is trying to cool itself down, the body will excrete... Uh, moisture through the skin pores, it also excretes some kind of oil, which the oil can tend to clog the pores or can tend to back up the pores, and that can affect how prints come out, as you just heard, through humidity and extra other external factors. The age deterioration of the skin over time is probably most obvious in the eye. A young and fit individual typically has firm and thick skin. However, when individuals age, particularly into their 60s and 70s, their skin is subject to sagging and thinning. The appearance of one's skin can be an indicator of their age, can be an indicator of their age, which is significant, which is a significant characteristic of a person's identity. Sun exposure and lifestyle choices are additional factors that forensic scientists consider alongside age when analysis and the appearance of an individual's skin becomes hard. There's another thing that, that's very that's very easy, is very very um, interesting to I'm trying to search my notes here as I'm talking about blood spatter. What well, blood spatter is Blood spatter is pretty cool. There's different types of uh, different types of blood spatter, as someone who is investigating it tries to dig up or tries to determine. There's there's several different there's several different there's several different kinds. Impact spatter, gravitational. It's all sorts of all sorts of interesting interesting details about it. And you're kind of I'm trying to flip through my notes here and it's not behaving. Thank you for bearing with me as I'm trying to get my nerves. Blood stains range in both amount of blood and type of pattern. From pools of blood around a body to obvious spatter patterns on the walls to a microscope. To microscopic drop, microscopic drops, on a suspect's clothing. The shape of the bloodstain pattern will depend on will depend greatly on the force used to propel the blood, as well as the surface it lands on. Forward splatter from a gunshot wound will typically form smaller droplets spread over a wide area, while impact splatter will form large droplets and be more concentrated in the areas directly adjacent to the action that caused it. Because blood demonstrates surface tension, or cohesive forces that act like an outer skin, a drop of blood dropped at a 90 degree angle forms a near perfect spherical shape. A smooth surface, such as tile or linoleum, will cause little distortion of this spherical shaped drop whereas a rougher surface, such as carpet or concrete, disrupts the surface tension and causes the droplets to break apart. The number and location of stains as well as the volume of blood influence how much useful information can be gathered. Large amounts of blood such as if the person bled to death or was severely injured that the resulting spatter was extensive can often yield less information than several well-defined spatter patterns. Too much too much blood can disguise spatter and make stain patterns unrecognizable. Conversely, too little blood, just one or one or two drops, will likely yield little or no usable information. Stains that overlap or come from multiple sources present challenges to, analysis, to an analysis but often reveal valuable details about the crime. Overlapping stains may obscure pattern details but can provide information on the force, timing, and instrument used. In the case of multiple victims, analysis will often use DNA profiling to determine whose blood is included in a given pattern helping to estimate the locations of the victims in relation to each other and the perpetrators. Samples, blood samples, can be collected for for BPA, blood pattern analysis, by cutting away stained surfaces or materials, photographing the stains, and drying and packaging stained objects. The tools for collecting blood stain evidence usually include high quality cameras both still and video. Sketching materials, cutting instruments, and evidence packaging. The most frequently used method of capturing bloodstains is high resolution photography. A scale or ruler is placed next to the blood stain to provide accurate measurement and photos are taken from every angle. Video and sketches of the scene and the blood stains is often used to provide perspective and further documentation. This is commonly done if stained materials or objects are, are collected intact. Analysis or investigators will simply soak will t- simply will typically simply will, will typically soak up pooled blood or swab small samples of dried blood in order to determine if it is human blood and then develop a DNA profile. This becomes critical when there are multiple victims. DNA profiling may also indicate whether the perpetrator was injured during the attack, and as in the case of two DNA profiles found at a scene with only one known victim. Whenever possible analysis or crime scene investigators try to collect the evidence intact. They they don't want to. You tend to see that a lot. You, like I mentioned earlier, you've seen it a lot in the C.S.I.s. What what criminal and I, then their actual term is they're actually called a criminologist. And what criminologists will do is they'll like you just heard it, they'll actually they'll they'll. Cut around things so they won't disturb the scene. They'll try not to disturb the scene, or they'll do as little disturbing as they can, because they want to. They don't want to disturb the pattern, or they don't want to disturb the blood how it lies, so they can get an accurate detail. I guess blood stain blood stain pattern analysis can be found at all levels of crime scene investigation from law enforcement to laboratory staff. Analysists investigate and study patterns at the scene and often screen and profile the blood in the laboratory as well. It has become more common for bloodstain pattern analysis to have a degree in math or physical science, such as biology, chemistry, or physics. This helps the analysis to corroborate findings from other scientific disciplines including pathology, toxicology, and serology, slash DNA. analysis are typically required to undergo formal training in blood pattern analysis, accompanied by competency testing and periodic continued education. Pattern analysis look at the physical characteristics of the stain patterns, including the size, shape, distribution, overall patterns, location and surface texture where the stains are found. There's other different ways there's several different ways like there's been cases where where there hasn't been enough information or there hasn't been enough blood there, there wasn't there wasn't blood stains on near victim there wasn't enough information to help I to help identify what who the perpetrator might have been. So they do something they do something that's called mitochondrial DNA. And what a what a mitochondria is, is in a cell, there's you know, there's a center there's the center of the cell, there's the nucleus and everything in the center of a cell and outside outside the cell or outside the area where the where the center of the cell is i can't i just said it and the word is escaping my head right now there's mitochondria and mitochondria is is inherited from from it's it's a it's a what's the word it there is it's a maternal inheritance so it's inherited from your mother so what? So if something if something were to happen to you, what a, what an analysis can do is they can, in order to, to help identify, or help identify you or what family you belong to, they can, they can go into they can go into the mitochondrial DNA, or they can go to whatever mitochondrial DNA they found, and they can try to get a, a sample a sample from your nearest your nearest female relative they if they can go to they can go to your mother they can go to your sister they they can get they can get mitochondrial dna that way and then they test it to see if it matches or as close to a match as they can get of of yours and it's not as reliable as regular dna but in a worst case scenario they can do it and nuclear and mitochondrial DNA are thought to be of a separate evolutionary origin with the mitochondrial DNA being derived from the circular genomes of bacteria engulfed by the early ancestors of of today's eukaryotic cells this theory is called the endosymbiotic theory in the cells of extant organisms the mass majority that's a lot of science and I'm just reading that going as I'm reading that I don't even understand it. <laughs> there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that through 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 mitochondrial DNA that they can they can do they can test they can they can find out they can find out who who you were or they can find out who who the perpetrator was if there's if the perpetrator left uh if the perpetrator left no if the perpetrator left no evidence behind so they can it's it's it's, it's interesting and what if what another thing they can do what another field is very uh, very interesting is ballistics bullets. Now, just like just like a human's fingerprint, a bullet is unique. is unique to every gun. So every every gun in the, every gun's barrel has like striations in the barrel. So when when a round is loaded into the gun or comes comes into the gun and fired through the barrel. It, it goes up into the barrel and as it spins is if it spins as it spins down those striations those striations create grooves on the bullet and that those grooves on the bullet is unique to every weapon that's ever been created every weapon that's ever been fired has unique has unique striations like that and that those striations and those marks on a bullet can be traced back to the to the gun that fired it And what a lot of people, what a lot of criminals do who have weapons, what they've done is that they can, they can, they try to scratch off the registration numbers or the numbers on the gun. So, should that gun ever be found, they can't trace it back to the perpetrator because they will have no registration or no identification number. But the bullet will have striations on it. That can identify it to to that gun. Well, I know you're saying, "Now, what if something happens to the gun, where the gun gets, like you know, a gun gets destroyed in a fire? What what happens to it like that? What happens to then? It's it's a little bit tougher then, but this you you see you have a little bit tougher. They can trace it. They can't trace it back to the exact weapon that fired it, but they can trace it back to the same type of weapon, like. Because I can't think of another type like a forty-five magnum. They can trace it back. They can trace that bullet back to and say, "Hey, a forty-five magnum fired this," and they can see. They can't see the exact gun that fired it because the gun has just had been since has since been destroyed. They can't see that, but they can see. Like I said, hey, this has been fired by a forty-five magnum. We know that. So. They can, they can look into the records of all the people that were, all the people that were around the victim at this time, at such and such a time. They can, they can uh, find. They can try and trace it back to all the, all the people who who were in the vicinity of this gun or had weapons had owned a owned a weapon at the time they can trace it back to that sorry i was looking through my notes there and i may have lost track so i apologize for that but it's they can they can trace it and they can say hey this person this body was found and we know this body and we've traced it back to here here, here. Are there any people who know this person or know the victim, and do they have anything where they hunters, or can we so they can trace it like that there's a... and I also found a lot of mysteries that I wanted to mention. I want to get this at the I want to get this in. <laughs> I know I've been talking a lot. I, I apologize if it seems a little disjointed because there's a lot of information in here. Uh, a lot of, I found a couple mysteries that I wanted to pose and I wanted to throw out there and see if anyone can, can dig them out or see if anyone can crack the answer to this, crack the answer to some of these. So here's some of these, here's some of these murder mysteries. See if you can rattle, rack your brains and figure any of them out cops found a dead man lying in the snow they saw tracks of a footprint pair in between two parallel lines a few feet away from the dead body who should be on the cops radar part two another one another at the crime scene the police found at a crime scene The police found a cassette recorder and a gun in the dead man's hand. After playing the cassette, they heard the man's voice. I have committed sins, and I have nothing to live for. And a gunshot. Even then, police knew it wasn't a suicide. But how? Three, a man was found dead while while on his work trip to California. The suspects were Mars, Mason, Barry, Lisa, and Alex. On the calendar, three, four, 9, 10, and 11 were written in blood. How to decode the numbers to, def- to find the killer. A dead body is seen outside a four-story building. The detective ran up to the first floor and checked the window, continued the same process for a second, third, and fourth too. When the detective came down, he said it wasn't a suicide, but a murder. How did he come to that conclusion? And. A killer gives his victims two pills to play a game. One of the pills is a vitamin pill, and the other is deadly. The victims choose one pill and gulp it down with a glass of water, and the killer swallows the the other at random. And still, every one of the victims dies. How? Just a little challenge for everyone. See if you can get through those. Or see if you can deduce those as much as best as you can. And thank you all so much for listening. There's a little bit of broken up knowledge as much as I know, as much as I could write down and doing my research for forensic. This is an amusing, wonderful field. Thank you all so much for listening. Stick around for a little bit more in the end here. want to check out the best travel vlogger and videos anywhere go to atlantic city disney six flags all along the atlantic city boardwalk and go to vegas check out the new york channel n-u-y-a-w-k on youtube you will be thoroughly impressed and thoroughly entertained you will love every second of what you're seeing Go to YouTube and check out N-U-Y-A-W-K. You'll love what you're seeing. You'll enjoy every second of it. Want to check out the best podcast and best YouTube channel out there? True, true friends of this podcast. Check out Fantastic Cruising over on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcasting devices and services. Give them a five-star review. Head on over to YouTube. Look up Fantastic Studios. Give them a five-star review and give them comments. They'll love that to death. They are the greatest podcast out there. Give them a shout-out. want to check out the environment, the climate, the planet and everything we can do to have an impact on it? Check out City Climate Corner on all the podcasting platforms, Apple Podcast, Spotify, on everything. You won't be disappointed, you'll enjoy and love what you're listening to.